Thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions, please email us at info at If you would like to support this ministry financially, visit us at capitalchristian.com and click the Give button in the top right corner. Thank you. So sweet. Well, how many of you are excited to be here this morning? We got a packed house in here today. God has something special for you. Turn to your neighbor and say, God has something special for you today. How many of you were a part of our Vision Weekend? Wave your your hand at me if you were at one of our services. Almost every single person here, come on, was that not the most amazing weekend in the life of our church, I mean, that I've been a part of? But you know what I love about God? It's so like God, right? Because we probably say that every single time. But that's how God is. He takes us from glory to glory. I think we sang that today. From glory to glory to glory. He's always taking us higher and higher and higher. And you know what? I'm, I'm so excited because... We used to call it Catalyst Weekend for a reason because Vision Weekend, what it is, is it's not the end of a thing, it's the beginning of a thing. It's, it's a catalyst to launch us into what God wants to do that year. And you know what, I'm so excited because man, if it only is gonna get better and better, I mean, come on. I mean, I feel like we can't get any better than last weekend, but God is so good, he's gonna do it. And so I'm just excited to see the Holy Spirit move in such powerful ways this year. And we're gonna give him time to do that at the end of service because we, we believe that Vision Weekend is not done but we're gonna continue to flow in the Holy Spirit. Like Pastor Ken said, uh, our first service, we had someone spontaneously get in the tank and get baptized. Last weekend during our this service, we had I think 15 to 16 people hop in that tank. We had one young guy who hopped in there so hungry for God with his brand new Michael Jordans on. You know, while people are like, no, no, but he was like so hungry for God. He just got in there in the tank. Somebody blessed that boy with some new Michael Jordans, amen. But I just love that. I love seeing young people, older, wiser people, people of all ages hungry for God. And it's just a beautiful picture of the church. And we're gonna, we're gonna talk about that today. What was so powerful about last weekend, really at the heart, what was at the heart of last weekend? Do you want more moments like that? in the church? Do you want more weekends like that? More services like that where the Holy Spirit moves in a powerful way? We're going to talk about kind of what the, what the key to that is today. And we're going to read out of Psalm 133. If you got your Bible, wave at me this morning. Let me see it. Or if it's on your phone, wave, wave your phone at me. We're going to read Psalm 133 and it's a short Psalm. So you're welcome. But I do have lots of scriptures for you today. So if you like to take notes, I encourage you to write them down because we love the Bible here at Capital Church. Amen? Amen. So we're going to read Psalm 133, and this is a Psalm of David. And like I said, it's pretty short, and it says this, Behold, and I'm already going to stop right there, because that word is so powerful, I want us to understand what that word means. That word behold means stop and take notice. David's saying, I have something wonderful to tell you. This is a wonder that is rarely seen. Stop and pay attention. We don't know if David has seen this with his natural eyes or if this is something he's seen in the spirit. But it's something of significance, something of importance that David wants us to stop and look. Behold, a wonder that is rarely seen. What is this thing David talks about? It goes on to say this. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, 
which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there, the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. I want to talk to you today about the significance of unity. Let's pray, church. Father, we thank you this morning that you are here in our midst. And we thank you, God, where two or three are gathered in your name. You are right there in the midst of us where we came here today because we love you. We love to worship you. We love your house, oh God. We love to glorify your name. And God, I thank you this morning as we come together in unity that you would truly knit our hearts together as one. Father, I pray for a supernatural move of the spirit in our church today. Lord, that you would come and do what only you could do in the lives of your children, your sons, and your daughters. Knit us together today as brothers and sisters in Christ. For your glory, we pray. If you believe that, can you say amen? Amen. Well, Queen Latifah got it right when she said, U and I T Y. Where are my 80s babies at? Don't leave me hanging. U and I T Y. Anybody? No? You don't Google that song because it's probably bad. That's the only part I remember. So if it's a bad song, please forgive me. I don't know. It's been about 15 years. I don't even know. But that song popped in my head. You know, I was like, even Queen Latifah got it right. Unity, the power of unity. There's something to unity. And I want to talk to you today about what, the, what is so powerful about unity. David likens unity to two things in this psalm. And the first thing he likens it to is oil. Now, the oil we know is holy. It's the holy anointing oil of God that God anointed the first high priest Aaron with. And it says that he poured the oil on his head. So unity must be pretty sacred to be compared to the holy oil of God. So why oil? I don't know about you, but when I read that psalm and it says how good and pleasant it is to have oil dripping down your face, I don't really get excited about that. I don't really get excited about the thought of oil. I'm like, God, really? Like it's good and pleasant, but I don't, really, I don't really want oil dripping down my, my face and my clothes. And I know some of you are with me because last Sunday night when we were anointing you with oil with a tiny little dab, how many of you gave it the duck and cover, right? You're like, don't come at me with that little tiny dab of oil. The girls, you know, we don't want it to mess up our makeup. Boys, you don't want it to mess up your hair, right? So if we, if we kind of don't like even a tiny little dab of oil, imagine a whole thing of oil being poured on you. So why? Does he liken unity to oil? There's two reasons. Number one, unity, like oil, has a a diffusive effect. I recently bought a little oil diffuser for my car. And it's amazing. You just put a little bit of water and one little drop of oil in that thing, plug it in. And it's funny because I always forget that it's in there. And this morning I was driving to church. And within seconds, I started to smell this aroma. This like, I think it was like a tangerine or citrus aroma that I had put in there. And I was like, what does that smell? And then I remembered, oh my gosh, that's right. I have this diffuser. It's amazing the power of this little tiny diffuser with one little drop of oil to permeate my entire car in a matter of seconds. Unity is like that. Unity creates a beautiful aroma to all those who are nearby It has far-reaching effects. This is why you can walk into a room and you can walk into a room and it can feel really good. Sometimes opposite of true. And maybe it's even a group of friends and you walk in and you're like, ooh, something's something's off. Something's funky, right? Well, what's what's going on? There's probably discord of some kind going on. But when people are in unity, 
It's a beautiful aroma to all those who are nearby. So that is why David likens unity to the oil. But there's another reason. Oil, when released from its vessel, has a cascading effect. It will continue to flow until it hits the lowest point, the very bottom. See, the fragrant oil was poured on Aaron's head. It says that it ran down his beard until into the edge of his robes until it reached the furthest hem of his garment. In the same way, unity extends to and blesses all who are beneath its influence. Try dropping tonight, I dare you if anyone's so bold, a bucket of oil on your head tonight and see if it stops here. I guarantee you it's not. It's gonna continue to flow until it hits the very bottom and cannot go any further. The anointing of God is like that. It starts at the head and it goes all the way down and touches all those who are nearby. Charles Spurgeon says this. He said, unity brings a benediction upon all concerned. Its goodness and pleasure are shared by even the lowliest members of the household. Even the animals are better and happier because of the lovely unity among the members of the family. Just as the oil, and all the animal lovers said, amen. Just as the oil did not remain confined to the place where it first fell, but it flowed down Aaron's head and beard, even so unity descending from the head distills and descends anointing as it runs and perfuming all that it lands upon. Once it has been set in motion, it will not cease from flowing. It might seem as if it were better not to smear his garments with oil, but the sacred act could not be restrained. It flowed over his holy robes, and even so does brotherly love not only flow over the hearts upon which it was first poured out and descend to those who are an inferior part of the body of Christ, but it runs where it is not sought for, asking neither leave nor license to make its way. Christian affection knows no limit of parish, nation, sect, or age. Is the man a believer in Christ? Then he is in the body, and I must yield him an abiding love. Is he one of the poorest, one of the least spiritual, one of the least lovable? Then he is as the skirts of the garment, and my heart's love must fall even upon him. Brotherly love comes from the head, but falls to the feet. Its way is downward. Isn't that beautiful? David goes on to also liken unity to the dew of Mount Hermon. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think of dew, it doesn't really sound that exciting to me either. So I was asking, God, God, what, what's, what is it about the dew? Well, if you think about dew in the natural sense, it gives life and refreshment to every plant and living thing that it comes in contact with. And this was especially useful to the drier land of Israel. You see, oil brings anointing, but dew brings life. Mount Hermon is the highest mountain in Israel. It's at 7,336 feet. If you like that kind of thing, thank you, Google. What did we do before Google? I mean, you know what I mean? It's amazing. You just, you got an answer in a few seconds. What's cool about that was I was just curious. So I Googled, uh, what is Bogus Basin, our mountain here? It's almost the exact same height. It's just 200 feet shy of Bogus Basin. Now, what's interesting is that Mount Zion is smaller. Its height is at 2,500 feet. Someone shared with me that I didn't even realize this, that the elevation of Boise is about 2,500 feet. So how cool is that? I mean, are we not in the 
city of the Lord or what? I mean, we've got, we got Mount Zion right there. So I think that's why we are the Treasure Valley. I mean, we've got to be God's favorite, right? I mean, the world's catching on. I mean, how many articles have you seen about Boise being the place to be? What were you saying? Like in 15 years, we're going to double or something? I mean, come on, people are catching on. We got Mount Zion right here. So it's pretty awesome that if you kind of, it kind of gives us a picture, right? So if we're at about 2,500 feet, Bogus Basin is about, what did I say? It was about 7,500 feet. Mount Zion, 7,300 feet. What's interesting to note though, the Psalm says that the dew descends from Mount Hermon to Mount Zion. What's interesting to note about that is that Mount Hermon is 275 miles away from Mount Zion. And it would take you about six hours and 54 minutes to drive from one mountain to the other. But the dew descends from Hermon all the way to Mount Zion. What we see is both the high mountains and the low ones share in the life-giving dew. Just like the oil, the, the dew descends down to the lowest mountain. In the same way, unity brings not just an anointing, but it brings life and refreshment to all those who are around and beneath it. It has far-reaching effects. The psalm concludes by saying that it is here in Mount Zion that the Lord commands his blessing. Mount Zion, we've discovered in the preceding psalm, Psalm 132, you can look it up, I think it's verses 8 and 13, it says that God has chosen Mount Zion as his dwelling place, his place of rest, the city of David, they call it. So we know that God has chosen Mount Zion as the place where he dwells. And it says there he will command the blessing. What is the blessing? The psalm tells us, life forevermore. The blessing manifests itself as life in all of its promised fullness given to us by the maker of heaven and earth. Jesus said, I came that they might have life and life abundantly. Mount Zion is the place where God dwells with his people and it is there that he commands the blessing, which is abundant life. How many of you want that, right? So God commands the blessing here. We see one other important emphasis of the psalm that's made in verses two through three, and it's found in the original um, translation, the original psalm, lost in translation, partly lost in translation, and it literally reads, descending, descending, descending. In short, true unity, like all good gifts, is from above. It's bestowed rather than contrived. It's a blessing far more than it is a personal achievement of ours. Unity can only flow from Jesus. I love what my husband always says. Jesus is our starting point. Really, any, any, any message can be wrapped up in that. It all starts with Jesus. It ends with Jesus. Unity, we're not to seek necessarily for unity. We're to seek for Jesus. And Jesus brings the unity. It can only flow from him because it is a miracle that only he can bring about. Because we are his body and it begins with the head, Jesus, and it flows down throughout the entire body. So what does Mount Zion represent for us today? It's the place where God's people dwell together as one in Jesus. Hosea 14, five says, 
I will be to Israel like a refreshing dew from heaven. Israel will blossom like the lily. It will send roots deep into the soil like the cedars in Lebanon. See where his love reigns, God reigns. Where love only wishes blessing for their neighbor, God there commands the blessing. Spurgeon said he's so pleased to see his dear children happy in one another that he fails not to make them happy in himself. You know, this, that revelation kind of came to me on Sunday night when I was, we were praying and I, when I, actually we were praying for unity. And in that moment, it just hit me that there's gotta be just extra things that bring God's heart extra joy, right? There's just gotta be, I know as a parent, there's just certain things that my kids do that bring my heart extra joy. And, you know, I was thinking as a parent of three children, uh, three children who were born a year, within a year of each other, that are all strong-willed, very opinionated. You know, they say three is the hardest because it's always two against one. Why does it have to be like that? I don't know. But people ask me sometimes, what do you think the hardest thing about parenting is? And for me, I, I say, you know, honestly, for me, it's sibling rivalry, Like, to me, I think that's just the hardest thing about parenting. With my three kids, you know, they're they're very competitive. They, you know, they can compare themselves, whatever it is. Everything becomes a fight. I feel like I'm a full-time referee sometimes. Like, you just wake up, and it's like, they'll argue about, is that thing black? They're like, no, it's off black. No, it's brown. It's like, it's black, okay? It's like, why does everything have to be a fight? But I think sometimes as, as parents, you know, when our kids are fighting, you know, I can't trust. I would, I'm not going to trust them with the blessing because they would destroy it. And I think the same thing is true with God, that when he finds his kids getting along, you know, like me as a parent, if I find my kids getting along and I didn't have to pay them, I didn't have to bribe them, I didn't have to coerce them, I didn't even have to beg them, and I didn't even have to threaten them, they're just doing it on their own. Like, I mean, they're getting older, so we're starting to have more of those moments, and it, it's just beautiful. Like, I'll be sitting downstairs, and I'm like, wow, it just sounds so peaceful up there. And I'll notice I hear kind words being used. This is amazing, you know? And it's like they're being kind to each other, and they're, they're like celebrating each other. They're serving one another. You know, I think when God finds his kids like that, Oh man, he he gets so excited, so happy, he can't help but command the blessing on his kids. See, if my kids were fighting and they were only thinking about themselves, I would be a fool to go and give them a puppy. And I say a puppy because right now they're asking us for a puppy because of the Kanos who have the most ridiculously cute puppy on the planet. It's so cute. My daughter's obsessed with it. And they've been asking for a puppy. But if I, if my kids were fighting and just thinking about themselves, I'd be a fool to throw a puppy in the mix, right? They'd tear that thing limb to limb. I want it. No, I want it, right? You know, because they're only thinking about themselves, But if they're getting along and they're serving each other, no, you have the puppy. No, you have the puppy. I'm 
them and be like, you can have a puppy, you know? I'm going to give them whatever they want. And I think God is the same way. I think God, I think unity just brings his heart such joy. He just gets so excited. He's like, man, they're just on their own. They're getting along. They're cheering each other on. They're not competing with each other. They're not comparing themselves one to another. They're serving one another. You know what? I'm going to command my blessing because he can trust us with the blessing. We're not going to destroy it because we don't have selfish ambition in our hearts. I think it's James 3.14 warns us, and it says this, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. For this is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition are present, there is disorder, confusion, and every evil thing present. Selfish ambition will always bring disorder and disunity. We must remember it's not about the individual. It's about the whole, the body of Christ. We collectively, together, need to put to death selfish ambition in our hearts. By the grace of Jesus, and I'm gonna pray for us today, by the grace of Jesus, and we need his grace, right? We can't do it apart from his grace. And I've been praying this in my heart, Jesus, deal with any selfish ambition in my heart. Deal, forgive me for any, for any selfishness in me when I've been so focused on me being right. You know, it's not about being right, it's about living right. And God wants us to follow his example. Could it be that God is withholding his life-giving blessing in your life because you are choosing to not walk in unity. Maybe it's with a spouse, maybe a family member, maybe a church member. You're looking out for your interests, not theirs. And maybe you've been wronged and maybe you are right. But you know what? The Bible doesn't tell us to fight to be right. It says to fight for peace, peace and harmony. Matthew 5, 9 says this, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the sons of God. They are those who are able to say with power to those who are bitter towards them, we are first brothers. Those are the ones that are the true sons and daughters of God. Acts 7.26 says, men, you are brothers. Why do you quarrel and wrong each other? We must remember at the heart of unity is remembering we are first brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, the enemy always comes to divide. He always comes to sow discord. The Bible says in Song of Solomon that it says, do not let the little foxes come in and steal the fruit, steal the vine. I remember hearing a teaching on that back when I was an intern year, many, many years ago, and it always stuck with me. And it, what, what the little foxes represent is little offenses, little hurts. You know, the enemy doesn't come usually in big, drastic ways. He creeps in, right, with just a little offense, a little hurt, a little maybe different opinion, and it goes unchecked, undealt with, and it can become a bigger issue. The Bible tells us, do not let any root of bitterness spring up in your heart. If you're not careful, it can turn into a full-grown tree if it's undealt with. That's why every single day, we all must go before Jesus, ask him to search our hearts, oh God, Help me to not be focused on being right. But God, what are you saying to me? What do you want to do in my heart? What offense have I let in? Where do I need to release forgiveness? Imagine if we did that every single day. 
And actually, I just feel so strong. I just want to pause right here. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes really quick. I just felt so strongly in worship that there was a grace this morning. There was a grace to let go of offenses. And I felt that there were some of you, you've been holding on to an offense for a long time. And can I tell you, the Holy Spirit is so faithful. He gives us grace to help us in our time of need. I really think you can't do it without Jesus. We can't forgive without Jesus, without his grace. And I just, I just ask you right now, if you've been holding on to an offense, I really believe the Holy Spirit right now is speaking to some of you. He spoke to me yesterday something. And I just, I just said, God, forgive me. I release that person. I release them to you. I don't want any offense in my heart. I trust that person in your hands. Whatever it is, I just think right now in this, in this moment, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come. Give us your grace. Help us to let go of any offense, no matter how big, no matter how small, for it is significant to you. And God, I thank you, Jesus, that you would come right now and help us to forgive. We release forgiveness. We just choose. We might not feel it. There's probably not any emotion attached to it. But God, we choose by faith to forgive. Lord, we know that you've been so gracious to us. Who are we to ever withhold forgiveness? You forgive us over and over and over and over a million times a day. And you've been so gracious to us. Oh God, help us to walk in that same grace. Help us to walk in that same forgiveness. I thank you, Jesus, right now. We just thank you. We release it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Again, the little foxes, we have to be careful to guard against the little foxes, the little offenses, the little hurts that will try to come in. Little things can become big things if they, do not, if they are not dealt with. And I believe today that God is dealing with, the, dealing with those little things so that they don't become big things. Amen? You know, unity is a miracle if you think about it, in an individualized society where we're all thinking about me, you know, we're all, everyone is just trying to build their kingdom, right? Jesus says we are to build for his kingdom. And it is a miracle, if you think about it, in today's day and age for people to walk together in unity. But the book of Acts, we see this beautifully portrayed. And I've been reading through the book of Acts for the last couple of months, and I've just been blown away by, if, by the example that we see of the first church, the early church. And I just was asking the Holy Spirit, what, how, how were they able to do this? You know, I want the church today to look like this, where, you know, every single day people were being added to the church and signs and wonders were taking place and miracles were happening. And I believe we're seeing that in the church today. We saw that last weekend. As Pastor Ken said, we're seeing it happen in the church. We had the highest attendance, highest response, highest giving. You, the church, we're catching it, right? And God is doing it in our church. But I was asking the Holy Spirit, what is the key? What, how, does, how does this happen? How do we see a move of God like this in the church today? And the key is found, I believe, in one little word. And Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, loves this word. He uses it 10 times in the book of Acts. It's only used one other time in the Bible, and it's found in Romans 15. And the word is homothematin, and it means of one accord. And how many times have we quoted this, right? We quote, Lord, let us be of one accord. And I, I pray it all the time, but I didn't really fully understand how powerful this one little word is. This word can be translated one accord, one mind, one impulse. We see it found in Acts 1.14, where it says, All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together. Acts 2, 1 says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one accord, in one place. There's many more illustrations in the book of Acts that I could read. 
but it's a unique Greek word that helps us understand the uniqueness of the Christian community. It's a compound of two words, homo meaning at the same place together and thumos meaning of the same passion. It's an adverb which denotes the unity of a group and it means with the same emotion, the same passion of one persuasion, having the same desire with the same mind, same purpose, one impulse, all together unanimously, simultaneously as one. I mean, if that doesn't take a miracle of God, I don't know what will. I mean, that's a miracle, right, for that to take place. We're not talking about uniformity here, okay? We're not talking about a bunch of robots, you know, like we all do the same thing. We're talking about a unity that only can happen in Jesus, that we're of the same mind, the same heart, the same passion, working together. Isn't that powerful? That's the key. That's why we see what God did in the book of Acts happening, because this was what was happening in the lives of the people. In short, it means a group operating as one. Homo thematin describes entire harmony of views and feelings as well as singleness of purpose. It means no divisions, no divided interests, a united purpose. The image is almost musical. A number of notes are sounded, which while different and each unique, they harmonize together in perfect pitch and tone. You can imagine, and all of the musicians in here can testify, I myself used to be one. If you didn't know, I was in orchestra in junior high and early high school. I played the viola. I keep saying I'm gonna bring it back, you know? But it was, it was really fun. I wish I didn't give it up. Do we have any viola players in here? No. Scott Curtis here. We need a viola player in here. So I guess I, God is asking me to step back up. I'm going to take lessons again. But it's, a, it's a powerful. I remember being in orchestra, and I remember understanding even the significance back then, uh, the power that one person has to throw off the whole sound. You know, it's amazing how if I did not practice my notes and get them right, it ruined the whole song that we were singing. So I learned this little trick of if I didn't know the note, I just would fake it. I would just like, I would pretend and I would just be into it, but I wasn't playing a single thing. I did the exact same thing and I was in choir in my college years and I'm not really, really a singer, but God told me to do it. So I'm like, okay, I'll do it. But these people were good. Like they were really good. So I was, it was a little intimidating. So Honestly, I lip synced most of the choir <laughs> because I didn't want to throw off what they were doing. And I was like, you guys got it. I'll just like, I'll just lip sync back here because it's amazing. The Don't tell my choir teacher if she's listening. Ironically, she texted me this morning. So I was like, oh my gosh, well, I probably should repent to her or something. Maybe the Holy Spirit was dealing with something in my heart. But, but it's amazing the power that one person has to affect the entire group of people. This is powerful and it's also scary, right? And this is why it's so important that we all 
we all let God deal with us, right? We let God take the broken, fragmented pieces of our heart and put them back together so that we don't have to hide, we don't have to pretend, but we can contribute to the beautiful symphony, the beautiful choir that God wants us to be a part of. It's a, you know, imagine if the, if the worship team up, was up here today and there was just one note that was off, right? We'd all be like, ugh, ugh. We couldn't really engage fully in the worship. And don't worry, that, that never happens. You guys are amazing. How many of you love our amazing worship team? They're phenomenal. But it's amazing how they come together. They're unique, they're different, but they come together in a beautiful harmony with the correct pitch and the correct tone and it's a beautiful expression. Romans 15 says, uh, Romans 15, six says this, may our dependably steady and warmly personal God develop maturity in us so that we get along with each other as well as Jesus gets along with us all. Isn't that amazing? As well as Jesus gets along with us all. Well, then we will be a choir, not our voices only, but our very lives singing in harmony in a stunning anthem to the God and Father of our Master Jesus. You know, I was just thinking this morning as we had one person step into the tank and be baptized, I was thinking really how powerful baptism is. And if you read through the book of Acts, I think it's not a coincidence that um, there was such unity amongst the people and that simultaneously it says that every person that was saved was immediately baptized. If you read throughout the book of Acts, it says they were saved and baptized. I love there's a story of the centurion jailer and it says he couldn't even wait till morning. He had to be baptized right then. Because I think Pastor Ken said this, said this earlier, but it's like the birth certificate, right? It's like, I think for some of us, we, we struggle why we don't really fit in maybe, or we don't really get it, but we haven't even gotten our birth certificate. We haven't even stepped into the tank and we haven't, we haven't had a public declaration of our faith. And I think for some of you, maybe that's the key for you today, that God is saying, just step into the waters, be baptized. Today, you have an opportunity. If the Holy Spirit is speaking to you to be baptized, I think it's so powerful that in the church of Acts, it's a, you really don't find anyone that's a part of the body but has not been baptized. And so I think that's such a key part that the Holy Spirit might be speaking to some of you today. It's just a public declaration of our faith. Jesus said, be saved and baptized. He said, we are to be of one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And so I believe the Holy Spirit speaking to some of you today with that. But I want to close with this charge found in Philippians 2, starting in verse 1. And it says this, so if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. That means we can have this mind. Who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. So what does unity require from us? It requires laying aside selfish ambition, selfish ambition and truly caring for one another. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. He was always others focused. 
He was always giving himself away. One of my favorite scriptures, I think it's in 2 Thessalonians, Paul said, we came bringing to you not just the gospel, but our very lives. This is what the church is to look like. We are to lay our lives down for one another, not looking to our own interests, but looking for the interests of others, serving one another, taking care of one another, praying for one another, encouraging one another, helping one another. This is how we will astonish our city with generosity and love. We've been talking about this year in 2018, we're gonna astonish our city with generosity. Can I tell you, this is our starting point, that as we come together as one and we serve one another, love one another, we are then equipped to go out and do it in our city. John 13, 35 says this, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you have love and unselfish concern for one another. Imagine if we all collectively sought Jesus and asked him to produce this heart in us. I wanna close with this beautiful picture found in Acts 2, 42 through 47. And this is probably, at least right now, my favorite text in the Bible. I read this text so often and I have tear stains in my Bible because I just think it's so beautiful that this is, this is what the church is to look like. This is the vision, this is the, the vision and the passion of pastors Ken and Connie. And we've seen this come to pass in our church in so many beautiful ways. And we saw so much the fruition, like he said, highest attendance, highest giving we've ever had in a weekend. I believe God is up to something and he's just getting started. And this is our prayer. This is our passion. This is our vision for Capital Church. And it says this in Acts 2.42, it says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers and awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they had need. I believe we're gonna do this this year, church. We are gonna astonish our city with generosity like never before. And it says, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. Isn't that powerful? I believe that we will never know the full power of God's anointing till we are of one heart and one spirit. We will never, that we will never have the sacred dew of this. Are we back? We will never have the sacred dew of the spirit descend in all of its fullness till we are perfectly joined together in one accord. We are not to seek for love and unity that comes and goes, but Psalm 133 says, those who dwell in unity. We are to dwell in unity that can only come from Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Capital Christian. We hope you will stay connected by following us online. To find out more information, visit us at capitalchristian.com.